former high school classmate of the shooter. She told Inside Edition he was a bully, and she'd heard he threatened to kill one of his ex-girlfriends. He did make threats often, like, just on a dime. It was like it didn't phase him, like he didn't have empathy towards what killing somebody meant. Acting Secretary of Homeland Security Kevin McAleenan on CBS This Morning saying hate speech can't be tolerated. I think we've got a responsibility to call out hate in all of its forms, and white supremacist extremism is a critical element that we're trying to address. I think the president was very clear on that yesterday. But critics of the president say his rhetoric has encouraged white nationalism. A warning this hour about a looming global water crisis. CBS News correspondent Vicki Barker joins us live. A quarter of the people on this planet are living close to the edge of what an environmental think tank calls water bankruptcy. 17 countries already consume 80% of their available water each year. Qatar is the world's most water-stressed country, followed by Israel and Lebanon. Though India only ranks 13th on the list, the World Resources Institute notes it has more people than all the other 16 combined, making the stakes there that much higher. Bill? Hundreds of former Boy Scouts claim in a new lawsuit against the organization they were sexually abused at the hands of Scout leaders. That suit covers allegations of abuse going back nearly 80 years. Asian stocks have fallen today, fueling fears that the trade war between the United States and China will harm the global economy. CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger says consumer fears aren't out of line. Imports are down, of course, but also exports. So that hurts manufacturing. But if you look at this next round of tariffs that was announced last week to go into effect on September 1st, laptops, cell phones, toys, uh, clothing, all these things could rise in price because those tariffs might get passed along to consumers. And on Wall Street, a half hour before the opening bell, futures are pointing up, the Dow up 215 and the Nasdaq up 75. This is CBS News. Behind every moment shared with the ones you love is a plan that helped make it happen. Learn more or find an advisor at MassMutual.com. Tuesdays are the worst. They're all that stands between you and the downhill part of the week. But now they're a lot less worse. Because Wing Tuesdays at B-Dubs are buy one, get one free traditional wings. So Monday, you may kick off the week. Wednesday, you may have a cool nickname. Thursday, you might be the almost weekend. But watch your back, because Tuesdays just officially became Wing Tuesdays. Buffalo Wild Wings. Roar! Buy one traditional wings order and get one of equal value free. Participation and promotional details vary by location. Check in with your favorite Buffalo Wild Wings to learn more about this offer. Welcome to this guided meditation brought to you by Mass Mutual. Imagine your dream retirement. Perhaps you're opening a coffee shop. A wave of relaxation washes over you as you smell coffee beans roasting. Hashtag blessed. You feel at peace. <sighs> this is how it feels to have a retirement plan. Learn more or find an advisor at MassMutual.com. Securities and advisory services offered through MML Investor Services, a Mass Mutual subsidiary. Actress Olivia Newton-John says the cancer in her body is spreading. More from CBS News correspondent Matt Piper. Olivia Newton-John's cancer is back for a third time, and this time it's more aggressive. She's battling stage four, which means the disease has spread. It's in her bones, and the actress says she has a tumor in her lower back. The 70-year-old told Entertainment Tonight she asked doctors not to tell her how much time she may have left. For me, psychologically, it's better not to have any ideas of what they expect or what the last person that had what you have lived, (laughs) so I don't. I don't tune in. She says every day is a gift. Matt Piper, CBS News. A federal judge in Arizona leaving the light on for a huge settlement in the case involving thousands of Motel 6 guests said to have their privacy violated when the motel chain gave their information to immigration authorities. The settlement would provide up to $10 million available for claims. Bill Raycock, CBS News. The co-chairman of J.P. Morgan warned that a deep correction like 40% could hit the stock market at any time. Don't lose 40%. Diversify. Now you can add gold or silver to your IRA or 401k rollover accounts. The stock market has been shaky with the trade negotiations. Don't risk your investments. Listen to the warnings and diversify before you lose 40%. Protect your portfolio with solid and tangible investments, gold and silver. Call 800-722-2020 and get the free investment guide now. Call 800-722-2020 to get Noble Gold Investments free investment guide now or go to Noble Gold Investments. Investment.com. Individual results may vary. Invest wisely.
Don't wait for a 40% correction. Get the free investment guide now. Call 800-722-2020. That's 800-722-2020. Call and get the free investment guide now. Don't wait. Call now. 800-722-2020. Alpine Heating and Cooling is a local, veteran-owned HVAC contractor providing you comfort with their best guaranteed prices, 24-7 emergency service, 10-year warranties on new systems, and free estimates. Alpine, with a Y, uses quality products from top brands like Ream and LG. Call them at 740-591-2777 or email bill at alpinehvac.com. Alpine Heating and Cooling, helping you stay cool and drop it like it's hot. When the pimp's in the crib, ma. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like a top. Drop it like a top. Stop by and enjoy the wonderful atmosphere of the expanded Bunch of Grapes Tavern and Cutler's Restaurant at the Ohio University Inn. Enjoy weekly specials like Prime Rib Sundays, Martini Mondays, Italian Tuesdays, and Wine Down Wednesdays. In addition to award-winning dining, the Ohio University Inn offers rooms with amenities such as free Wi-Fi, pet-friendly rooms, and a 24-hour fitness center. Come visit the Gateway to Ohio University. The Ohio University Inn, located at 331 Richland Avenue in Athens. Drop it like a top. Wow, Lucas, that's another strike. Have you been practicing? I've been playing at Community Recreational Bowling every Tuesday from 4.30 to 6 at the Roller Bowl in Athens. How much does that cost? Almost nothing. For the low price of $3, I'm on the path to the PBA Tour. (laughs) PBA Tour? (laughs) Let's see you try again. Ooh, right in the gutter. Community Recreational Bowling is sponsored by Integrate Athens, a division of the Athens County Board of Developmental Disabilities. At Athens Cell Phone and Electronics Repair, we repair all brands of cell phones, tablets, and computers, including iPhones and Samsung devices. Whether it's a screen or battery replacement, logic board repairs, or charge ports, Athens Cell Phone and Electronics can fix it all. Why spend a bunch of money on a new device? With over 40 years of electronic experience, we'll repair your device for a fraction of the cost. We're open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Saturdays from 8 a.m. to noon. Stop in and see us at Richland Avenue between Taco John's and McAfee's. Give us a call for a free estimate at 740-590-1677. AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH, Southeast Ohio. But certainly there's plenty for us to uh, talk about today. And I know uh, the rest of the staff's been doing a lot better than I have on this, but uh, the the uh, county fair is underway, folks, and it's it's shameful that I haven't really brought it up before because, mercy, I was even on the uh, agricultural fair board, agricultural committee. I can't remember all the formal names for it, but anyway, what they call the fair board many many years ago, and. Um, you know, these county fairs are so nice, so much fun. And um, anyway, so it's underway. It got underway last uh, Saturday, really, in the, uh, all the animal exhibits, which are things that really draw me in. And then you've got uh, just seeing people, you know, and, and saying, hey, I haven't seen you in, you know, a coon's age or whatever the expression is. And. All that sort of thing, and of course, there's the the um, the midway or the the rides and all that sort of thing. Kids love that. But um, let's see here. Um, by the way, today is of course uh, Tuesday, folks, and um, you know there's always one big thing at 
in the evening, right? And uh, today it is an 8 o'clock performance by Bucky Covington and the Grandstand. And uh, But there's so many things, so check out the schedule. Let's see here. So, okay, I can give you an example, or several maybe. So as we speak, the Antiques Judging and Baked Goods Judging is taking place. Um, the Market Dairy Feeder Showmanship uh, is, is underway, followed by the Market Dairy Feeder Show, Junior Beef Showmanship, Junior Beef Breeding. All, and it just goes on and on. There's so many different events. you got the Rabbit Show going on right now where the, uh, the rabbits that have been raised as 4-H projects and so on are being judged, right? We've got a, a, a thing where the, the um, reptiles, facts, and fiction is going to be done on the, uh, the hillside stage uh, twice, at 11.30 and then again at 12.30. Um, I'm just talking about today now, too. Monarchs in the Garden, in the Ag Tent, uh, at 2. Um, a cookie decorating contest. That'll be at 2 o'clock at the Hillside Stage. Um, just all these different things. Junior Fair Market Steer Show at 7. And, of course, this musical event tonight. Um, last night they had the Tough Trek in the Grandstand. Tomorrow night, they have the rodeo. Uh, Thursday night is generally, if I'm not mistaken, that demolition derby. It seems like they always do that on Thursdays. And um, Oh, and then there's a garden tractor demolition derby. <laughs> that sounds like fun. I, I could get into that, I think. Um, let's see. And then Friday night, of course, is a big deal. You've got... You've got the uh, Junior Fair Livestock Sale. And that all gets underway starting as early as 3 p.m. Um, then it, it takes most of the evening, frankly. Uh, but at 7 o'clock, the horse pull at the grandstand. And um, I guess Harmony Trio is going to be on the hillside stage, both at 7. And then Saturday night, the final night of the fair, you have the truck contractor pull. And outhouse races at 2. Well, you get my point, right? It's amazing. So many things. Fun, fun, fun. And uh, we'll be down there with the jambulance, and uh, so stop by and say hi, please. All right, um... Let's see, today is August 6th. This is the 218th day of the year. 147 days remain. When we try to select the highlight in history, Associated Press uh, today picked this one. When on August 6th, 1965, President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act. That was significant, for sure. The thought for the day, Lucille Ball. I love Lucy and all that sort of thing, right? American actress and comedian born on this date in 1911 died in 1989. I can remember just as uh, we as a young kid I my parents wanted to watch the Lawrence Welk show, we certainly watched I Love Lucy. And you know what? You know it is on certain channels as a, even years even now, you know, so many years later, it's still a great program. Um Anyway, from Lucille Ball, this is the thought for the day. If you want something done, ask a busy person to do it. The more things you do, the more you can do. 
I have been occasionally um, told that I'm doing too many different things. Um, now, I, I have been a little bit more picky about how many things I take on as I, you know, hit this 70 mark and all of that. But I still love being engaged in different projects. And, uh, you know, my home is one of them. The business is a big one of them. Uh, but there's also community things that I like to help out in. And... um If you want something done, ask a busy person to do it. I get that. Lucille Ball. Birthdays, let's see here. Peter Bonners is 81. He's an actor and director. Uh, Louise Sorrell is a 79, actress. Actor Michael Anderson, 76. Actor Ray... Um, oh, this isn't who I thought it was. So now this is a name I don't know how to pronounce. Let's see here if I can do it anyway. Ray Butanika. Butanika. Something like that. 76. Forgive me. Actor Dorian Harewood is 69. Actress Catherine Hicks, 68. Actress Stephanie Kramer, 63. Actress Faith Prince, 62. Randy DeBarge, the uh, rhythm and blues singer, 61. Leela Norser, an actor, 59. Michelle Yeoh is 57. Actress. Patsy and Peggy Lynn, uh, country singers, 55. David Robinson from basketball, 54. Benito Martinez, an actor, 51. Let's see here. So, so many, there's some names I really don't know. Uh, Singer-actor David Campbell, 46. Actress Vera Farmiga, 46. Well, I'm going to let that be it. All right. Of course, you remember a year ago what was going on. We had all those wildfires and the two big ones merged and all of that out in California. Quite a time of it. Today is National Night Out Day. In in my life, it seems like every night is a night out, or I wish it to be. It's one of those, um, what would you call it? Uh, Suddenly I can't get the right word for it, but it's it's one of those uh, things I enjoy. Going out, having a bite to eat. Anyway, National Night Out Day. It's also National Root Beer Float Day. Those aren't too bad. I remember growing up, we had A&W root beer stands up on uh, in Columbus. One down just the road from us in, uh, I guess, Clintonville it would, would have been. And it was not uncommon at all. To go down to an A&W root beer and get a float. National Wiggle Your Toes Day. Now, right or wrong, during the summertime, I am very prone to wear sandals. And... um, I, I, I know it's not really business-like or anything like that. I should be dressed a little bit better, but it is what I do. And um, so it's real easy to wiggle your toes, right? 
with wearing sandals. And then lastly, it's National Fresh Breath Day. And we hope we all <laughs> experience that. <laughs> so just four of them today. But uh, all of them seem to be in order. Historical events. The Treaty of Hague was signed... Uh, on this date in 1661, that treaty, um, well, it's whereby the Dutch Republic sells New Holland, or Brazil, for 63 tons, spelled oddly, of gold to Portugal. Now, is this tons, or is this some something else? T-O- Double N E S. I'm challenging Scott to figure that out. One thousand kilograms. <sighs> well, how much is a ton? Is it also one thousand kilograms? Let's see here. Ton is an alternative spelling used to describe a metric ton, T-O-N-N-E, but is almost never used in American English. Let's see. A ton is, T-O-N-N-E, is larger than a U.S. ton. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, that happened. In 1890, at Auburn Prison in New York, murderer William Kemmler becomes the first person to be executed by an electric chair. That's a wonderful thing to think back on. 1945, on this date, the atomic bomb dropped by, uh, uh, rather dropped on Hiroshima, Hiroshima, as, as um, most people prefer, by the USB-29 Superfortress Enola Gay. That occurred on this date, this date, 1945. Well, just a couple points there. Famous birthdays. Alexander Fleming, the actor. Born on this date in 1881, died in 1955. How about Andy Warhol? Born on this date in 1928, then died in 1987. Tennyson. Alfred Tennyson. Born on this date in 1809, died in 1892. And then... You know, they didn't mention this, but Lucille Ball also was born on this date in 1911. We had a little trivia point about her, but they didn't mention the tie to her uh, birth date. Or at least I don't recall that they did. Let's see. Um... Looking at a couple pages here. I think that's probably enough from that source. And uh, just a little addendum there to the metric ton, T-O-N-N-E. It is equal to 1,000 kilograms, which converts to a U.S. ton. Uh, Excuse me, it's slightly larger than a U.S. ton. It converts to 2,204.6 pounds. So 204.6 more. Pounds than a ton. Correct. The, the, the what I always call the SAE version. Yes. Not to be confused with the fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see here. Obviously, the stories continue to be focused to the leads, if you will, on the. Um, the mass shootings of this past weekend. 
But there's also some worrying, uh, worrying about water supplies worldwide. And then there's another item going on, and that is thinking back about Woodstock and um, what an unusual event that was, and there's an attempt to recreate it now going on, right? Mm-hmm. So let's do each of these um, a little bit in order. So uh, generally speaking, this uh, most of this material comes from the New York Times. Um, as you may recall, at this point, 22 people died with the Walmart thing in El Paso, Texas. Uh, nine deaths. There was one point where they said it had been 10, that a 10th person had died, but evidently that was an error. That was early on in the reporting. But uh, they're now saying it was nine who died over in Dayton. Um, Why domestic terrorism is hard to fight. After the attacks of 9-11, which occurred in 2001, federal officials were given broad powers to disrupt foreign terrorist plots. But the mass shooting in El Paso over the weekend underscores how few options the authority have right here at home. The massacre in Texas was the largest domestic terrorist attack against Hispanics in modern history. And President Trump promised on Monday to give the authorities whatever they need. The motive over the weekend for the second attack in Dayton at this point remains pretty much unknown. Well, I'm not as sure I, I agree with that statement. It seems that, you know, there was certainly some mental concerns about the shooter that were, uh, should have been uh, worked on. Addressed. Addressed, yep. yeah. Yep. Well, anyway, going on with... Uh, what his ex-classmates are saying, too. Yeah, going on with the this writing, though. So these challenges include a federal statute that defines domestic terrorism but carries no penalties and that the First Amendment makes stopping terrorist acts before they happen more difficult. Focusing on white supremacist violence would also test whether Americans are as accepting of aggressive law enforcement tactics when the suspects aren't Muslims. So yesterday, I believe it was, that uh, our president called on the country to condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. But he really didn't talk about endorsing any sort of gun control measures. He connected the attacks, which killed a total of 31 people, to mental illness, violent uh, video games, in the perils of the Internet and social media. Now, Chris Ferguson is a psychology professor at Stetson University. And he has said the evidence was clear that violent video games are not a risk factor for serious acts of aggression. The data on bananas causing suicide is about as conclusive. In other words, it's kind of... Inconclusive. Yes. I had not heard this one. Had you? That bananas can cause someone to be more inclined... 
I thought they were just using that as an example, as an analogy of oh, like something like like that. a not a joke, but um, a comparison. Okay. To whether. Okay. Well, I took it the wrong way then. Anyway, going on, uh, Mr. Trump and his allies are adamant that he bears no blame for extremist violence. But the echoes of his rhetoric in the El Paso gunman's anti-immigrant manifesto are clear. Well, very sad story, both of them. Sure is. Sure are. And as we understand it, there are two people in Texas who are just, uh, of, the, of the many injured, there are two that are just clinging on to life. So that death toll could raise yet. Yes, unfortunately. <clears throat> Another topic is um, the, the market. Um. And it says, markets stabilize after threat from China. Global stocks were largely calm today after signs that Beijing would not immediately use the value of its currency as a weapon in its trade war with the United States. Now, yesterday, the market was kind of fouled up because of it. They, they thought something was going to go, but it seems like it's settled down a little bit. Futures markets indicated that Wall Street would open modestly lower a day after China let its currency weaken, and the Standard & Poor 500 fell nearly 3%. The Treasury Department responded to that fall by labeling China a currency manipulator. It's mostly a symbolic action, but... The Trump administration will work with the International Monetary Fund to neutralize the effects of the currency drop. Yeah, China's trying to Another, do, do that to uh, make their products and services more attractive, obviously, to uh, other parts of the world to lower their, do lower their dollar value or their yuan <coughs> value. Right now, the Dow Jones is up 204, yeah. and uh, S&P is up almost 27. So that's good news. Another story that they said they wanted to um, deal with today is uh, water. And it says a quarter of humanity is running out of water. 17 countries... Those 17 countries, home to one-fourth of our world's population, use almost all the water they have, according to a report published today. Many are arid, while some squander supplies. Climate change makes the risks increasingly urgent. Although a drought in Southern California ended this year, the water supply in Los Angeles, Los Angeles is not keeping place with demand. So what's next? The report by the World Resources Institute noted that a lot can be done to improve water management, including plugging leaks in distribution systems and a number of things like that. Wastewater can be recycled, and farmers can switch to less thirsty crops, uh, from rice to millet, for example. Another angle. Europe European researchers said on Monday that July was the hottest month ever recorded. The global average temperature was about uh, 0.07 degrees Fahrenheit hotter than the previous record holder, which was July of 16. 
well, water is a great concern. You know, it's, it's, it's going to come down to retreating water eventually. And that can be done. But it can be done with an expense. Well, we mentioned Woodstock. Um, 50 years ago it was. I remember having the opportunity to go to Woodstock with Mike Mason and Burt Brainerd, two of my high school chums. <laughs> um I've recently reestablished a connection with Bert, but I've lost track of my friend Mike Mason. But his family owned a Mack truck um, in Marietta and up in Columbus. The, basically, a dealer, a truck dealership for Mack trucks. Years ago, Ray Mason, which would have been Mike's father, was the district governor for Rotary. And um, that was the last few times I got to see that member of the family. Anyway, I'm off topic here. The topic should be Woodstock. So that music festival was held in 1969. They say it was an epiphany of an indulgence and with five decades of hindsight, it still poses questions about utopian ideals and our relationship to them today. John Perellis is a New York times music critic. He was there. And today writes, I have been to dozens of festivals since then, and none have been so makeshift, so precarious, or so revelatory. Well, if, if you're unfamiliar, there is this effort to restage Woodstock. And it's coming, it's just around the corner, I think. That should be interesting. And, of course, there was a movie made about it. Yeah. And I, I found the movie very entertaining. Yeah, there are some uh, movies that have references to Woodstock as well. One that comes to mind is uh, Forrest Gump movie, Mm -hmm. where they Mm -hmm. had a segment there that he... He ended up at Woodstock, of all places. Right. In the movie, that is. Let's see here. What are some other items in the news? We've got... um, A clampdown in Kashmir. Where it says that... um, India's Hindu-led government revoked the autonomy of the predominantly Muslim region. So that's going on. We've got China warning protesters. An official in Beijing said today that protesters in Hong Kong had exceeded the scope of free assembly and warned them not to take restraint as weakness. Venezuela, our president has escalated the campaign to remove President Nicolas Maduro from office, signing an order that freezes his government property and assets. I guess that's mostly the highlights. So we can put this report away. 
I came across a thing this morning that um, I, I didn't bring in the detailed report, but it, it, it certainly caught my eye. I'm guessing that most of you out there are pet lovers. Um, you know that uh, Scott loves them and his family. You know that my family loves them. And um, we talk about them sometimes too much. But um, the Wallet Hub organization published 2019's most pet-friendly cities. Now, I didn't think bringing in the full report was uh, necessary. Maybe, maybe we will someday, but I just brought in their teaser report. So let's see here. With National Homeless Animals Day approaching... And over 85 million U.S. pet-owning households that are projected to spend $75 billion this year, the personal finance website Wallet Hub today released an in-depth report on 2019's most pet-friendly cities as well as some accompanying information. So, in order to determine where Americans' animal companions can enjoy the best quality of life, Without breaking the bank, Wallet Hub compared the creature friendliness of the 100 largest cities across 24 key metrics. The data set ranges from a minimum pet care provider rate per visit to pet business per capita to walkability. Okay, so this is very basic stuff. If we wanted more detail, I can bring in the full report later. <clears throat> so, most pet-friendly cities. Now, they only looked at the 100 top cities, right? Okay. I, I suppose by population size. Um, so, number one, Scottsdale, Arizona. Number two, Orlando, Florida. Three, Tampa, Florida. Four, Austin, Texas. Five, Phoenix. Six, Las Vegas. Seventh, Atlanta. Eighth, St. Louis. Ninth, Seattle. And tenth, Portland, Oregon. Those are the top ten most pet-friendly cities. Let's go the other direction. Least pet-friendly. So this is the bottom 10 out of 100. Coming in at 91, Detroit, followed by Aurora, Colorado, then Nashville, then Newark, New Jersey, Santa Ana, California, Chula Vista, California, 97th, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Buffalo, New York, 99th, Laredo, Texas, and 100th, Fresno, California. Okay, so, you know, what's... what's um, it, it appears to me that it's not so much climate. It is... Just the nature of those cities. So here are some key statistics. Stockton, California, has the lowest average veterinary care cost per visit, which averages thirty-seven bucks and eight cents. Plano, Texas, has the highest per pet visit, veterinary cost at $84.24 average. That's a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yep, it is. Miami has the most veterinarians per square root of population. Uh, That would be... 
I don't even know how to figure that out. They have the most per square root of population. Newark, New Jersey has the fewest. Now, just as a mathematical figure, Miami has 88.9 times more vets than Newark, New Jersey. Wow. Really? <laughs> That's what? It doesn't even really make sense. Yeah. I was trying to think why. Yeah. Maybe they like the climate there. Tropical pets? So I, I, I got a good friend, Dan Radcliffe, and his wife's Timmy. And I'm sure they have an animal, and they live in Newark, New Jersey. And I want to call them and say, what's the story there? (laughs) Okay. Um, St. Paul, Minnesota has the lowest monthly dog insurance premium, which is $34.84, which is two and a half times lower than the monthly dog insurance premium in San Francisco. It has the highest at 88.76 cents per month. Now, I have never had pet insurance, health insurance, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yep. But I'm sure in some cities it would make some sense to do that. And maybe... You know, at 11 o'clock this morning, I have a nurse that's coming to see me because of some insurance policy I've got. And she's going to, I guess, just check my vitals, right? All right. So do they require something like that for the dogs, too? I. What, what if you had a dog I... that you thought is likely going to be sickly during its lifetime? Yeah. Or, you know, like. Humans, a pre-existing condition. Yeah, yeah. You know, the age, the health. Well, we know they're likely non-smokers. We, we <laughs> Well, they could get second-hand smoke, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> <Like> true. <laughs> Roof! Pass me a lighter. Yeah. yeah. Give me a light. <laughs> Give me that stogie over there. I'm sorry. That struck me <laughs> funny. Okay, let's keep going here. San Francisco has the most pet businesses per square root of population. Newark, New Jersey, once again, the city with the fewest. And uh, they say 21.4 times more than Newark, San Francisco. Well, anyway, I just thought it was interesting. What with all of us being pet lovers here at the station. Yeah, I'm looking at something about dog insurance, too, and it says uh, most pet owners can expect to pay between 30 and $50 per month for a plan with decent coverage. Hmm. And, you know, they go into cost, uh, what it covers, uh, what they do uh, as far as a wellness plan coverage versus a pet insurance coverage. So there's a lot of particulars involved with that, more than, you know, meets the eye so to speak. But a cover, they also have dental insurance available for pets. Oh, well, we, our, um, our guys, maybe once every year, we have them have their teeth cleaned. Yeah, well, do, that's healthy, too, to keep, yeah. keep their uh, teeth and gums healthy. And generally, the, the vet will say, they do need cleaning. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe it's every year and a half. I don't know what the frequency is, but they, we, if they say they need it, we do it. Yeah. Okay. Now, <clears throat> Scott found two stories this morning that I thought are worth mentioning. So first of all, you know the the big deal was out in um, El Paso, but you know still uh, nine deaths, twenty six injuries, whatever. Uh, in Dayton, and it's closer to home, so it it holds our interest. So the um, this particular story came out of Associated Press here in Ohio. 
Now, the the headline reads, Ohio gunman's ex-classmates decry missed chances to stop him. Decry. They basically are saying, why were these ignored? So they're saying they should not have been ignored. Correct. Decry. Right. Okay. I didn't know if they were saying... Um, They're questioning why they were ignored. Okay. High school classmates of the gunman who killed nine people in Dayton, Ohio, say he was suspended years ago for compiling a hit list and a rape list and questioned how he could have been allowed to buy the military-style weapon used in this weekend's attacks. Now, we did this the very first day, yesterday, I guess. Yes. Well, they, uh, decry also, you know, you could say they're, de- also, they're denouncing and condemning this too, criticizing. We are. We also brought up the topic that if he had been suspended from school, which I think was the right term yep. used yesterday, yep. that uh, why wasn't he also then referred to um, counseling? And I still haven't heard anything about that. Anyway, going on. The accounts emerged after police said there was nothing in the background of 24-year-old Connor Betts that it would, that would have prevented him from purchasing an AR-15-style rifle with an extended ammunition mu- magazine, which was what he used outside that bar early Sunday. Police on patrol in the entertainment d- district fatally shot him less than a minute later. The former classmates told the Associated Press that Betts was suspended during his junior year at suburban Bellbrook High School after a hit list was found scrawled in the school bathroom. That followed an earlier suspension after Betts came to school with a list of female students wanting uh, that he wanted to sexually assault. Now, this is not just from one person, but it has been cross-referenced through, um, well, frankly, maybe six or seven people at this point. There are probably more that know about it. Uh, They did speak on the uh, condition of anonymity out of concern that they might face harassment. I'm reading here to see if there's anything new to this. The answer is no. But I am still. Um, Doesn't a school, depending on the nature of what the misbehavior is, don't they have an obligation, a right a requirement to ask that the student receive counseling, ask his parents to see that that takes place, and then say the parents don't have the affordability, the wherewithal to do that, see that it be done anyway. All right. Then there's another story, and it's a little more general in purpose, but it certainly was the reason it has shown up today is because of that event. And it reads, schools increasingly aim to access and manage student threats. Schools around the country have been setting up teams to assess threats posed by students who display signs of violence like the former student who compiled a hit list years ago in high school and then this weekend went on to kill nine people in a weekend shooting in Detroit. In, I said Detroit. In Dayton. Despite consensus on the approach's benefits, school officials say they are limited 
in what they can do by privacy concerns or a lack of resources and limits on what they can communicate once a student leaves school. Now, if, if there's a problem, you deal with it now. Um, it's not that they have to report something after a student has already graduated and moved on. You, you, you get them help now. Yeah, I'm still and I believe that the psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors, whatever term you want to use, they have the onus upon them to share with authorities if they think someone's truly capable of something wrong. Yeah. Now. And, and now, after these things happen, the counseling has to happen for, you know, classmates, victims, and... and those that were affected exactly. by Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, my guess is those are all probably cost-free, I'm guessing, that they offer to, you know, classmates, uh, people we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So why not offer it prior to these things happening? You know, as you, as you mentioned there, the onus should be upon people to alert authorities. Now, there's a story here um, hidden deep into this article. It says Hilliard, right, up in Columbus. Yeah. That they have used a network of students to, uh, like they've encouraged the student body that if they feel there's something kooky going on, uh, to make the authorities aware. And then they look into it to see whether it's Bonafide in any way or credible. Anything credible, like that. that's a better term. Um, and that they have um, had certain students that they um, have helped receive well, counseling. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I guess our thoughts aren't so far out of Lying after all. Sure doesn't sound like it. I hope we can get there. Yes. All right. Let's see. What's left? Anything? Tomorrow. Let's talk about that. Okay. Tomorrow we're going to have a show. And to some degree, I guess it falls in with what we're talking about. It is concerning suicide. Um. And when someone is, you know, dealing with so many issues that they actually consider such a thing. So uh, it's a very delicate topic. We will work with it very carefully and cautiously, but I think you'll find it informative. And then let's see here. What is on Thursday? Is it Ryan Fote? Yes. Okay. There's a list there. So Ryan Fote is um, a meteorological guy. He knows weather stuff. Um, He's very familiar with Antarctica and uh, all sorts of interesting topics. So um, that's on, what did I just say, Thursday, right? Okay. Well, we are out of time, folks. Have a marvelous day out there. And... uh, Be safe, please, when you hear the tone, 10 a.m. This is CBS News on the Hour. Real news, real reporting. I'm Bill Rakoff. The award-winning author, Toni Morrison, has died. Toni Morrison won a Nobel Prize, a Pulitzer Prize, and shelves full of other literary awards for her novels. Books like The Bluest Eye, Song of Solomon, and Beloved, which was turned into a 1998 movie. That's a pretty name, Beloved. Why don't you rest yourself while I fix this a little something? We just got back from the carnival over. In Beloved, an escaped slave loves her children so much she's willing to kill them rather than see them recaptured. Even Morrison would admit... What kind of outrageous love is that?
But it was those stories which hooked readers. Steve Kathan, CBS News. There have been renewed calls for action on gun violence in the wake of the attacks in Texas and Ohio.